You're listening to The Poncho Section, conversations about all things media and Mel Brooks. It's a podcast. And here's your hosts, Michael Canfer and Ethan Feldstein. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Poncho Section Podcast. Today, we're really lucky. We're sitting with a very funny comedian, Angela Cobb. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. We're great. I was just saying before how nice it is out today, and it's like, it's boosting my mood a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's making for a happy day. What's today? Today is January 27th. Yep. So like, yeah, I mean, it's warm. It's like 50 degrees. It's a nice Saturday. It is. It is very nice. Yeah, we should be outside, not podcasting today. <laughs> All right. <laughs> See you guys later. We Bye. should take this. We should take this on the road and like be outside. It would be really nice. That'd be a good idea. Go to Astoria yeah. Park and. <laughs> yeah, oh, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. If we could yeah. actually do that, that would be. That would be <laughs> ideal. Have to a very, very long extension cord. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I wanted to first talk about. We were at. I don't know if you remember this. We were at your roast. Oh yeah, I back in that was in July. In June. In June. Or no, was yeah, it was in June. It yeah. was in June. That's right. Okay, I'm like my timeline's all off. No, you're close. But uh, no, because <laughs> I'm I'm thinking about my own personal life. Start that with makes a J. Sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, not, I mean, that was such a fun night. That was our first. I think that was um, not your first time. Not that Mike's first time, but not my first time. My second time at. QED. At QED. We heard about your first time there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yes, you heard a lot about <laughs> that's my right. first time there, yes. Yeah, and that was, I mean, that was such a fun night. Oh, good. No, I'm yeah. glad you guys had fun. That ended up being, yeah, it was really good. Yeah. I, had a, I had a great time. There were yeah. a lot of comics that night, and I don't know if you remember this, we had like a little side conversation after the show, Yeah. and I was talking about, I think it was the first, your first stand-up set back in Oneonta. Yes. It might have been your first or like one of your first sets. Because I ap- actually happened to be there. It was at a place that was called Saki Club at the yes, time. Yes, yes. And I don't know what it's called now. I don't honestly... It's definitely it's still owned there. by somebody else. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's the Saki Club anymore. But yeah, yeah, I in 2009, it was so it was after I graduated. I graduated yeah. only on in 2009. And this was in, I want to say, October of 2009, maybe? Yeah. October and November. It was in the fall. And uh, yeah, that was actually the first few times I had ever done stand-up was yeah. up there at the Saki Club. Um, yeah, and it was, it was good. Like, it, basically... Basically, I ended up getting into it because I used to do, um, I mean, I still do it a little bit, but I did in Oneonta in college, I did some slam poetry and I did a lot of funnier pieces. So it kind of felt like a natural transition. And then um, these two guys who did stand up at Oneonta, um, after I graduated, they asked me if I wanted to help them with this stand up competition they were running. And they said, uh, they're like, you can do your uh, funnier poems and then you can also try stand-up if you want and I was just really excited to try stand-up because I'd always wanted to do it but yeah. it's kind of one of those things where it's not like in school where there's you know band and chorus and drama there's <laughs> yeah. no and stand-up, stand-up club, club. No stand-up yeah. <laughs> so I was really excited to get into it and so yeah okay so you saw me there oh that's yeah. amazing do you remember anything about like I, I rem- what went on I remember a little bit about that night I was there for someone else I don't know if I should mention her name on here she probably doesn't listen I don't know. Um, Nobody listens. Yeah. <laughs> well, her name her name was Mel Levine. I'm oh, I know at, her. Yeah. yeah, I was there for her. Okay, cool. Yeah, and uh, and you were on the same, I guess, yeah. the same bill. Yeah. And um, and another guy too, who's a friend, who I don't know if he listens either, but he was pretty wasted that night. And he had, <laughs> I thought his set was great, but like it was just, it was out of control. Right. But it was fun, like it was funny for the audience, I think. Yeah. All right. But he was just kind of up there, and he was like, I'm drunk. I don't know what's happening. And was think like going if through it. I remember it. who that was. Yeah, we could talk about it after. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Off mic. Cool. What do you uh, remember from that night, from the, your first time doing stand-up? Yeah. So I remember as it started to get closer, I remember I started to put a lot of pressure on myself because I've always 
kind of been told I was funny or I always thought I was funny. And then I got really like, oh, my God, what if I'm not funny? As if now I look back, I'm like, well, there's so many ways to be funny. So, you know, just because you're not stand up funny doesn't mean you're not improv funny or acting funny or whatever. Sure. But I, I started to get a little nervous about it as far as this is like the test, am I funny or not? And then I, I did it and it went, it actually was good. It, it went well enough that I felt like, okay, I have some natural aptitude at this, but it was also challenging enough that I realized, okay, this is something that takes a lot of work and, and effort and stuff like that. So it was kind of a nice mix. Like I know some people I've heard, they either do really, really well their first time and they like crush it and then they are, they're never able to like capture that high again. Yeah. And then I've heard other people where it's like they just bomb their first time. Mine was a nice kind of happy medium where I mm-hmm. felt like, you know, I, I felt confident and excited that I had done it and I definitely like wanted to do it more, but it was challenging enough that I was like, okay, like this, you know, this is, this is going to be a, a process. This is, <laughs> this is a really interesting thing, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Do you think that you having the little background of doing slam poetry and stuff like that helped with your ability to be up there on stage? Yeah. I mean, so particularly the slam poetry, I think helped with stand up. Like I actually think it's a very similar kind of natural transition. Uh, I'd always done performance stuff like in school and as a kid, like I was in band and I was in chorus and I did plays and all that. And my parents were big into home videos when I was a kid. So I was always, I was never uncomfortable performing or entertaining or that sort of thing. But I think the doing the slam poetry directly before was really, really helpful because slam poetry, it's just you, just like with stand up, it's just you. Mm-hmm. And with slam poetry, the whole idea is you have to, you know, you have to affect people immediately because you only get like three minutes with a 10 second grace period. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can't, it can't be the type of thing where they get it three hours later, they have to get it right away. And you have to really be immediate and evocative and all that. And so I think in that way, it's very similar to stand up, mm-hmm. you know, you so it, yeah, I think it was very helpful. The autobiographical element of it too kind of just helped me sort of naturally go toward that direction. So yeah, I think the the slam helped me out a lot. Awesome. Yeah, I actually wasn't originally going to bring this up, but because you mentioned slam, there's a video online of you doing a slam poem. Yes. On, I believe it's your first time with the, and the, the hurricane. Yes, yes. And I was actually like sitting there like expecting something to be like funny. And I was like, holy shit, this is like really powerful. Like, oh, this thank is, you, like, thank you. I, I, I was like... I, I got emotional. I was like, Aww, oh, damn. Thank you. So, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I do a lot of stand-up about losing my virginity, but I, in the kind of uh, parallel to, to that, I had always been working on this uh, poem about it as well because I felt like, okay, this is also something that I think needs a more serious kind of thing. Um, yeah, and I had been working on it for a couple of years, and then I finally just decided, let me do it, you know. So, uh, yeah, and it that was like the that was the first time I had tried it, so yeah. I got it on video, and it ended up being, you know, I was happy with it. So I kind of now have it for posterity, and I guess, you know, if I decide to do more poetry or stuff like that, um, I'll definitely, you know, put that in the the arsenal. Or if I were to ever do some sort of one person show or something like that, I would definitely want to incorporate elements of poetry and stand up and. That totally. kind of thing. So, no, but thank you. I, I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Because sometimes it's weird. Like, I know, especially with comics, you know, to, to then when, because we're so used to just being kind of silly and, and funny and everything, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we make fun of everything. And, and so, you know, when you when you try to do something more serious or like vulnerable or whatever, it's, it's like, uh, you don't know how people are going to take it if they're going to be like, yeah, this is, this is funny or if they're going to actually see it for what it is. So, no, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, did you see on um, on HBO Chris Gethard 
his uh, career suicide that he did. No, I know of it, though. Yeah. I just haven't seen it myself. Yeah, that had a lot of, like, where it was really funny, and then it got super real mm-hmm. and, like, intense and personal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like it kind of incorporated a lot of, like, different elements there, mm-hmm. where it was kind of, I guess, more like a one-man show yes. type deal. Well, that's what's been good. Any of the one-person shows I've seen, mm-hmm. and that's why it's so so such a powerful thing, because that's usually what happens. You... You go back and forth and you kind of modulate between being really funny and then being really serious. And generally, in the ones that I've seen that have done it well, it kind of, the contrast sometimes is like immediate. So mm. it'll like hit you really hard. So it'll go from something really funny and then say something really profound. And you're just like, oh my God. You know? Yeah. So yeah, it's a whole kind of emotional journey. <laughs> yeah. And I kind of felt that way too, because we were watching Pat Oswalt's thing recently as well. And that oh, kind right. of had a similar thing because of what he's gone through mm-hmm. uh, more recently. So it's really interesting how things can be so, they can be so incredibly funny. Like there were times we were laughing so hard and mm-hmm. then it's like, oh, like this is really sad yeah, and yeah. really intense. But that's, I mean, that's cool that you've been able to incorporate it like with the slam poetry and with comedy and kind of use the same story. Yeah, and exactly. I think that's kind of neat. Because I feel like it's one of those things where it was such a major and significant life event for me that there's mm-hmm. a lot there that's both sad, funny, and everything in between, you know. So yeah, I want to try to, explore all of that yeah yeah and so you host the show every week at qed every month every month at qed sorry that's okay um and uh so what what night is that on so the show i host at qed is called my first time yeah like kind of like what we were talking about yeah and um it's the third wednesday of every month at 9 p.m at qed in astoria okay and basically i i host it and i book comics and storytellers and they talk about losing their virginity (laughs) <laughs> wow. They tell, yeah, funny virginity law stories, yeah. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, that's, it, that's amazing that people are comfortable telling yeah, those well, stories. That's, so I, I talk, even when I was a virgin, I would talk about that in my stand-up too. And then I, once I lost it, I talked about losing my virginity. So when I was thinking about producing a show at QED, mm-hmm. I know they do a lot of... Um, they do a lot of stuff, I feel like, that's not necessarily just the straight stand-up. You know, they, they do a lot of theme stuff or unconventional stuff or just cool different things. So I thought, okay, I want to do something a little bit different. And I thought, okay, like, what do people associate with me? What am I interested in? And what maybe would be kind of a cool, I don't, I don't know if niche is the right word, but just something that might be a little different. And at first I thought, okay, is anybody else going to be interested in this? Like, as I reached out to comics and storytellers to do it, I'm like, is this just a dumb idea? And people were like, no, like, we're really interested. We think that's really cool. And a lot of comics, um, they're like, yeah, you know, I never even thought about talking about this, but now I might have some material about it, you know? So, uh, it's been thus far. I mean, it's, I think I've had it like, I've had it since... August of 2015, it's been going. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. So it's been a little while. That's Um, great. And yeah, I mean, people seem to people seem to kind of dig the concept and um, find it interesting. And I think it does incorporate a lot of what we were just talking about. That even though it's primarily funny and entertaining stories, it there are elements usually of most people's stories that go from sometimes some serious elements or some sad elements or that sort of thing. And it's a very kind of vulnerable topic to talk about so i think the audience kind of appreciates that yeah too, you know well qed is a cool space too yeah. it's like an intimate space yes. so it's like it feels very comfortable mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know but do you get like a different um, group of comics every time yeah or, no no i it? always get i always get different comics and sometimes i try to incorporate people who do more storytelling too yeah. which has been interesting because i didn't really when i first started doing this show i didn't really know that many people in the storytelling community and then mm-hmm. there are some people who do both some yeah. people who do more storytelling at like the moth and places like that right um so yeah so that's been cool too to kind of expand you know the the network as far as you know people who do more storytelling and things like that and 
you know, I've tried a little bit of storytelling too. It's not, I don't feel like I do it as well or as kind of naturally as I do stand up. It's hard. I tend to ramble. Some people go either way. Like a lot of people find storytelling kind of freeing because you don't have to be so, I guess, concise like with stand up and, um, you know, you, you still want to keep the laugh count high, but it's it's not quite as as many laughs are necessarily needed. Me, I just feel like I go all over the place and then I don't have enough time to just get to the point, you know, yeah. so, but yeah. That's definitely my issue when it comes to storytelling. I either, I usually always give way too much detail mm-hmm. and it's unnecessary detail. Yeah. And then everybody's just sitting there with like a blank stare on their face, just like, what? What what's the fucking point? What do you yeah, get? What exactly. do you get to the point? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like a lot of us do that. Yeah. Where like we start we start telling a story and then we're like, wait, where was I going with this? <laughs> <laughs> so, what would you say is your typical like writing process? How do you start it? Where do you get some of the ideas from? So, like I feel like everybody says this, but I definitely need to write more. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, you know what I mean? I, I definitely need to 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 write more. So, generally I'm very autobiographical, so usually, you know, ideally something kind of happens to me and then I'm like, oh, this would be funny. And then I, I try to, you know, work out ways to, to make it funny. You know, also, I feel like being around comedy, like particularly being at open mics and things like that, where people are trying a lot of new stuff, it's kind of almost, it's almost like contagious. It becomes sort of like a fertile ground for just ideas that come to you and then, you you know, you write them down and yeah. you, you want to try them out. I feel like, I don't know, like, I don't know if I necessarily have a particular process per se. I probably Mm. should, but, (laughs) but it's kind of, um, like I definitely should get more disciplined about it, um, as I should probably in all areas of my life. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's usually just, you know, um, if something, something happens to me and I find it funny and I want to talk about it or, you know, I, or a conversation I'm having or, or something I've, you know, uh, if I'm something that just kind of struck me as interesting too. Like mm-hmm. if it's something that's not necessarily about me per se, uh, like if it's, let's say, I've watched a lot of documentaries lately or like I'm into history or like I'm a big Beatles fan, you know, so just things like that too. If, if it's something that I'm interested in and I, I think has a funny spin on it, I'll, yeah. I'll try it out. But also I think just being around um, the kind of environment of people creating new jokes and things like that helps as well because yes. you just kind of get some ideas and uh, and I think just doing things like you know in life is is helps too. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because if you can't, like I, I'm a huge John Lennon fan, and he says something about like how you know you can't like artists can't really live on the outskirts of town. You know what I mean? Like or else you have nothing. You know you're you're talking about the human experience. You know, so yeah. you have to mm-hmm. have the human experience in order to talk about it. You know? Right. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a roundabout answer of saying I should write more, but... <laughs> yeah. 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 Very cool. I know that you're from Brooklyn, right? No, I'm from Long Island. Oh, I'm you're from Long Island. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, my mom is from... My mom's like the real New Yorker. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, I, and I know that uh, in some of the um, in some of the videos, you have mentioned like things about your mom and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. So, do, would you say like where you grew up, the city and like your family, does that sh- at all shape some of the the comedy and, and yeah the i mean i i definitely do some material about my my parents my family mm-hmm. um yeah i mean i so i'm from long island originally and then we moved to upstate new york when i was like nine years old actually okay. like near oneonta area so i was kind of a local even though nobody could tell because of my accent yeah. you know i've never <laughs> lost my accent at all obviously uh but uh yeah i mean and like i said i'm italian on my mom's side so i think that i think that influenced a certain amount of definitely the way i speak and my mannerisms and things like that because mm-hmm. there is a certain just 
if you're around a bunch of Italians from New York, just you're gonna definitely sound a certain way. It's just, <laughs> right. You know. And then my dad is actually just from you know Long Island himself, so yeah. he you know he's got the Long Island accent. So I was around that, you know, and uh, yeah, and I think just kind of this. Um, I don't I don't know if blue collar or working class is the right word. Uh, you know, just just sort of. Uh, that kind of um, environment and and people and I, I just feel like everyone in my family is very like kind of genuine and down to earth and and sort of not pretentious you know yeah, so I, mm-hmm. I think I that I think reflects a little bit in in how I do stand up and how I just approach you know talking about different things um, yeah I mean I, I I realized more recently I think like with, with the with the 2016 election and just everybody in general how different people's opinions on how lucky I am to kind of be raised like I was raised because yeah. my parents. You know, when I hear people my age talk about how their parents are Trump supporters or their parents are against this or whatever, mm-hmm. and I just, I'm like, my parents were just naturally, like, I didn't consider them particularly radical or, like, ridiculously liberal, but it was just kind of a natural thing. Like, you should treat people well. You should not, you know, uh, you know, be prejudiced against people. You should yeah. just kind of, you know, treat people like humans. And I, I think my mom, my mom's parents being Italian immigrants and my mom kind of moving around a lot as a kid and stuff like that, that definitely shaped how she can just get along with everybody and talk to everybody and i feel like i've kind of at my best i've gotten a little bit of that yeah yeah very cool yeah i mean that's really nice were they were they comedy fans at all oh yeah they so that's the thing too i i feel one of the other things too i i've heard other people talk about this too when somebody doesn't know a certain pop culture like classic thing it will be like who raised you you know because we yeah i i feel like the one thing that I really got a, a big education on was a, a lot of classic pop culture, uh, particularly with comedy and music, you know, as a mm-hmm. really little kid. So, yeah, I mean, we I remember um, being a really little kid. I think I was like four or five when I watched my dad brought home uh, the Laurel and Hardy movie, uh, March of the Wind Soldiers, which is on, on around Thanksgiving, like all the time. Okay. And I remember yeah. watching that and really liking it. Um, and then I was seven and he brought home Young Frankenstein oh and I God, instantly yes. became like we're, a big... We're big fans. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I saw you got... There it is. You got a whole Mel Brooks section right there. Which yeah. Is, oh, yeah. I, yeah, I became... You know, I love Marty Feldman. I love Mel Brooks. Yes, you know, yes. So that was like a big moment for me. Like I remember my dad bringing it home and us watching it and just, you know... <laughs> Um, and then I got into the Three Stooges, too, mm-hmm. and, you know, and kind of in, intermittent with all this, it's funny because I do stand-up, but my influences primarily were stuff, I feel like, outside of, of stand-up, but I also remember they would they would talk a lot about uh, enjoying stand-up and going to see stand-up. Um, I, my dad and my uncle tell this story all, all the time, like, and it's like, I could tell it's like such a proud moment for them. They saw, uh, my mom was there, too, She they saw Richard Pryor, oh, um, and my dad, so... I think this was like when he had been, he was, had been ill already, you know, so yeah. I think he was like in a wheelchair or something like that. Um, and they were, his like kind of people were like bringing him down the aisle of the like uh, auditorium or wherever it was. And my dad was on the, the outside. So he got to shake his hand and my uncle, so my dad got to shake his hand and my uncle Rob's like, yeah, and I got to pat him on the shoulder. It was really cool. Like, <laughs> and they just, I could tell like every time they both talk about it, it was like such a big deal oh, for yeah, them. Totally, you know, yeah. my mom's like, yeah, I was on like the inside. I didn't get to do anything, but I saw him. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so I just remember things like that, like how much it affected them and what a big deal it was. Um, and, uh, and I think they saw like Rodney Dangerfield too at like Westbury Music, something like that. Oh, I forget sure, yeah. on Long Island yeah. somewhere. Um, so they, yeah, they definitely, and they saw so many good concerts too. So it was always for people who weren't like pretentious about it or particularly, I mean, you know, like my, my dad didn't go to college and my, my mom went to like community college, you know, they uh, were very 
I guess I'd say like patrons of the arts almost or, or um, enjoyers of, you know, they knew their stuff as far right. as what was good. And, and, you know, so I, I feel like I got a good kind of comedy education and, and yeah. that kind of thing from them. That's awesome. Yeah, and they're just yeah. funny, too. My family's all really funny, too. So, yeah. Well, that's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I mean, me and Mike, we had a lot of the same, a lot of the same things. Like, we, Mel Brooks, especially, was like mm-hmm. a huge influence. Yeah. yeah. I think just growing up in Jewish families, like, it's like, yeah. just like, and like, if you like comedy, then like, it oh, just yeah. goes together. You yeah. Ha- yeah. 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 And there's some sort of like, it's an, in, there's an interesting connection between like the, I can imagine, like the Jewish mother and the Italian oh, mother. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So like, there's definitely some connections there. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's great that we all grew up in that kind of environment yeah. where they were able to, uh, I guess, show us the, the entertainment that they love. Yes, and it, like, exactly. it stuck with us. Exactly. Yeah, I yeah. agree. As a kid, though, there were like certain things like, I didn't want to like it. You know, because like, oh, my parents like it, so oh, I don't want to like I had things this. about that. Not yeah. with, with Mel Brooks, I didn't have that. But there were other things where I remember my dad would really like, actually, the Three Stooges initially. Yeah. I was very like, um, oh, well, he likes it. Like, I remember we were going upstate because my grandparents lived upstate before we moved up there. <laughs> and it was some probably some holiday weekend or something. And I remember on the way up, there was going to be, there was, was going to be like a Three Stooges marathon on TV. And I remember my dad and my my grandfather watching it, and I was kind of like, you know, they were in the other room, and I and I was like, oh well, they like it, so I don't, and then I remember I I went in the room and I started watching it, and I was like, oh my god, this is amazing, you know. So <laughs> yeah. then I got really into it, and also the show Hogan's Heroes, you ever heard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that was another one where my dad. I remember this, I was maybe like nine and we got, when TV land was like kind of new and they used to, you know, they played all, they played better shows then. I feel like when they were, uh, and Hogan's Heroes was on and my dad really loved it. And I remember being like, what is this? Like this is, and then I got really yeah. <laughs> into it too. So yeah, I, I had some of that where you're, you know, your, your parents like it or you don't want to, you don't want to feel too almost like, all right, I'm going to like everything they like, but yeah, when they right. have good taste, you know, you, you end up liking a lot of it. Right. Well, for my dad, it was the Marx Brothers. Oh, yeah, And that yeah, was yeah. the thing, like, yeah. for me, where, like, I love it now, uh-huh. but back then I was like, this is old, like, it's black and white, I don't like this. <laughs> but I never saw my dad more upset. He had this uh, Groucho Marx, like, ceramic little statue thing. Okay. I've never seen him more upset in my life when that thing fell off a table and broke and smashed into pieces. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I was, like, must have been, like, seven or eight years old, but I remember how upset he was. Wow. And we yeah. actually ended up getting, we found another one. Oh, and good. This was, like, before, like, the internet, really, I guess. And, like, you couldn't, like, go on eBay and right, see, like, right. oh, yeah, someone's got to have this. Like, I don't know how my mom searched and oh, found amazing. another one. And it's still, it's still standing Right now, the new one, yeah. the replacement Groucho <laughs> Marx is still, <laughs> is still there. But yeah, that was definitely something as a kid where I was like, I don't want to like this, but right. like, this is actually pretty funny. And then yeah. like, probably when I got to around like 13 and stuff, I started showing my friends like Mel Brooks movies and stuff. And yeah, it was That's great. Awesome. Yeah. And like the same thing where like, I didn't, and I don't know how you said that you, it was more comedy people, not necessarily like standups that, yeah, yeah. that you were watching or listening to. Per se. Yeah. yeah. When I was younger. It was that was more what influenced me, which yeah. it's it's interesting because on the one hand, I feel like when people ask me about stand up influences or things like that, I feel so like I feel like such an idiot because I'm kind of like I feel like I should I should be like really passionate about like one particular stand up comedian. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, I feel like, yeah, you know, there are people I enjoy yeah. and things like that. But as far as the people who actually influence me, it is more outside 
of stand-up, which in a way is, I think might have been, on the other hand, helpful because when I first tried stand-up, it just, I wasn't really trying to model it after any Yeah, you're not trying to emulate anyone. Yeah, I wasn't really particularly trying to model after any any kind of stand-up that I had seen. Um, so that, in a way, was good. Yeah, I, you're talking about the, the Marx Brothers. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know as much about, I have to watch more of their their films and things like that. Yeah. The, the, only, the only real experience I have with the Marx is like how Groucho is just brilliant by yeah. himself yeah. even, you know, and how... Yeah his quotes and his wit and just how quick he was yeah as a you know and there's a show i was watching it on youtube i got into it i'm um, this old like game show from the 50s you bet your life well that which <laughs> okay. then was his but yeah. also before i think it was before they called what's my line and he okay. was off, often on on or not often but a few times on the panel and yeah. they have like separate youtube videos that are titled like groucho destroys the show and all this stuff <laughs> because he just you know he's saying all these things and all the people are like what's going on and they can't you know and he's, it's hysterical you know yeah. and he's so yeah, he's just really, I yeah, he's really quick and uh, just the things he would say and the double entendres and just how effortless it was. Really, yeah. it's really cool. Yeah. 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 His quotes are are definitely like some of the best. Like, yes. I love the one he's trying to marry those two girls. He's like, oh, let's get, let's all get married. And she's like, but that's big of me. That's big of me too. Let's all be big. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just like, yeah. how do they? I know. I know. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, as a kid, it, Harpo was always my favorite, only because like he he's like I feel like perfect for kids because he's silly. He was mm-hmm. silent, and that I don't know that was cracked me up. But as I got older, like I appreciated Groucho. Like, yeah. Groucho it's, was really the it's clever funny, one too. Because with yeah. the Three Stooges, I've heard things. I've heard the hierarchy too. Where it's like yeah. Larry was always my favorite as from day one, and he, like he still is, and he's very like kind of underrated. I feel like as far as the Stooges go, but I've read people say um, I forget who, but they've had theories about the age, and they're like, well. When you're a really little kid, you like Curly because yeah. it's really obvious. Then you kind of get into Mo, and then some, something that's like anybody beyond college who, who Larry isn't their favorite, that and a smart, you know. Or something <laughs> yeah. like that. And I was like, oh well, you know. But now I kind of, you know, he's my favorite, but I, I appreciate all of them for the most part, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and Shemp too, I like I like Shemp too. But uh, yeah, I more now see the how you know all of them. It 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 just worked so well and, and gelled so well. Curly again, in a in a way like it like Groucho in a different way just how quick Curly mm-hmm. is like with just the the things he does and the, the like the hand motions and this it's just amazing you know right. so yeah and Larry was always my favorite too because he was very musically inclined so mm-hmm. I always thought that was really cool too yeah did, did you see that Three Stooges movie that came out the new like, one like, no years ago. I don't know I kind of don't want it was to. garbage yeah it looks really <laughs> bad it looks really bad yeah so I kind of was like eh, I don't yeah. know if I want to watch this yeah it was so kind of related to being like quick-witted back to you being on stage have you ever had to deal with a heckler and if you have like what what kind of right. what kind of uh, ammunition did you bring to yeah, the table? Because I have seen it in some of your videos that you do work the crowds yeah, very well. Yeah, yeah. I was, I, yeah, I wanted to talk more about that. Yeah, sure. I do do a lot of uh, crowd work and I host a lot too. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's kind of probably how I you know developed it more. Um, it's funny. Once again, like I always feel boring when people ask me, "Have you ever been heckled really yeah. badly?" Because I don't. There's nothing really that pops out at me in particular as being like a really bad thing. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to, you know, people say things here and there or, you know, and then you just kind of make a joke or, you you know, yeah. you turn it into something. Um, I, ha- I have had people, sometimes you're just trying to get somebody to shut up. Sometimes that's <laughs> yeah. an element where they're not necessarily heckling, but they're so, like, they really do think it's like a Q&A and they're just going to keep going and you're like, no, like, you know, shut up, you know. Um, and <laughs> yeah. you, you know, 
And uh, so that, I, I mean, I feel like I, I deal with that kind of well in that you can kind of incorporate it into it. And then eventually, like, everybody in the crowd is kind of like, yeah, like, let's tell this person they need to <laughs> yeah. shut up. And then, you you know, you say something and everybody's like, yay, you know. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, I'm trying to think as far as truly being heckled. I don't know. I Like I said, I always feel boring with this with yeah. this question because I feel like, oh, like, why isn't nobody heckles me? Why? I don't, I'm not th- I'm not threatening enough on stage. I need to get more like, hey, you know, yeah, I, need, I mean, I need to be more uh, combative. You know? But uh, <laughs> did you find that it was it was like a natural thing, your ability to kind of work with the the audience? Or was that something you had to build up? Yeah, I had to definitely build that up. I mean, yeah. and, and I think I don't know. I think a lot of comics talk about that, how it's definitely a skill that you kind of have to develop, you know, and just from really you just learn from doing it, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And I think also the trick is to to have to try to have something actually prepared, you know, like um, this is something I learned early on, too, uh, from people who had been doing it a while that, you know, if you're going to go out into the crowd and ask a question, you want to have some direction in your head where you're going because you mm-hmm. don't want them to lead you. You kind of want to lead the the dynamic, you know. So that's, I think, important, too, to try to have some idea yeah. with, like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go at this person, so let me have a plan as to kind of where I'm going to go, yeah, you know. Yeah. And, you know, and obviously sometimes it can lead into other places, and obviously it's, maintaining spontaneity is important, too, but I think it's kind of a, a combination of those two elements for sure. But, yeah, I've, I've started to get really uh, – I've started to really enjoy crowd work, particularly – um, when I, I'm starting to get some more opportunities, you know, here and there to, uh, headline shows, like mm-hmm. on the road and stuff. So doing like a longer set, like 45 minutes. That's you know? great. Yeah. And that I feel like is really when I'm at my best as far as crowd work goes. Cause it's just, you have more time and it kind of, um, can, mo- I feel like I've used the word modulate like 800 times <laughs> in this, but, um, yeah, there's, there's just kind of. It, there's a certain kind of ebb and flow dynamic where you can, you know, do your material, kind of work the crowd, see how it goes, um, you know. So, yeah, I think that's the most fun to work the crowd, like when you're doing a longer set, because you can really, if they're really into it, it's, it's really fun. Yeah, I mean, it's a real town. We just saw a tell a month ago. Oh, cool. And just like watching him, yeah, work the, like great. that's all crowd work. It's just like, it's just an incredible art form, really. Yeah, it is. Just no, it, like... it really is. I mean, some people can just do crowd work yeah. as their whole set you know what I mean? just, now I, and that's yeah. the thing you have to you have to each situation calls for something different so obviously like if all you do is crowd work you want to also make sure you actually have material because then it's yeah. like, if you're going to be on tv you can't just work the crowd if you're on like right. you know kimmel or whatever right you know, yeah late night um but but also in a in a live situation it's really exciting and good you know to be able to sometimes just do that you mm-hmm. know because if they're liking it then yeah you know yeah, yeah. i love the bit where you have uh, do you have the, the nuns in the, yeah, I was in just, the crowd? I was oh, literally yeah, yeah, yeah. just going to talk oh, about yeah. that because I actually had written that down. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. you guys are great, yeah. man. Oh, well, yeah, we, we did a little work, yeah. a little research. <laughs> yeah, I just kept cracking up every time. Oh, the nuns table over there. <laughs> yeah, well, but, yeah, cause sometimes without missing a beat. Yeah. It just was like right there. I was like, wow, that's incredible. Because sometimes, yeah, because yeah, sometimes I'll say, like, I was a virgin until I was 25. And sometimes, usually people will be like, woo, or whoa, or damn, you know? Yeah. But then sometimes somebody will be like, yay. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and that's why I'm like, yeah, we got the nuns over there. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, it's like, it's like no, not yay. Not yay for me. <laughs> but yeah. It's and, just and, funny, like, yeah. the mixed reactions you'll get from that. That's yeah. got to be fun to yeah, see. It's it like, is. how's this going to go this time? Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there, was, uh, there was a great uh, joke that you threw in after that where you were saying how everybody thinks, like, 
oh yeah, you'll you'll do like it, it's great to wait, but then you're saying no, you just do a lot of stupid shit like all at close at a time. Yes, yes. Oh my god, you guys are like I feel like you guys are like getting like the B sides here. Like this stuff. Like, <laughs> no, this is this is great. YouTube B sides. Yeah, <laughs> stuff that I don't necessarily do like all the time. But yeah, I it's funny because I I do that every once in a while. I don't know if I ever got it to necessarily work as well as I wanted it to, but yeah, that idea that you know. Um, you're going to be so much more mature if you wait. Yeah. It's like, no, you're just, like you said, you're just going to make a lot more bad decisions closer together to catch <laughs> up. You know, that's all it really is. Yeah. Yeah. That's so great. You, you said you just started doing like 45 minutes. Or have you been doing 45 minute sets for... Um, for a, for a couple of years oh, now, you have been. but okay. but I've been trying to you know get more opportunities to do it. So I've been you know a little more frequently. Yeah, mainly like on the road. So, uh, yeah. you know, like Connecticut, upstate New York, um, Jersey, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but. It's been yeah, it's it's good. It's definitely that's like another muscle to develop. You know yeah, I was I'm gonna just, say it's like com- it's got to be completely different. Yeah, yeah, and it's been honestly the the times that I've that I've headlined, I feel like it's um the last time I did it, it actually went really really well. Uh, and it's it's like a, a learning process, you know, because there were, there's been other times where not that it's gotten bad, but you you know there's certain times where it really just kind of clicks and you're like okay like this is definitely like a headliner set like this is how it's supposed to be you know and mm-hmm. then there's other where you're kind of like all right this you know this could have been better or this kind of you know I, I feel like i lost them a little here or whatever you know um so yeah so it's just you know it's like you're saying about the crowd work it's definitely just like a another skill to mm-hmm. develop and you know like i said each kind of situation calls for something different you know or, or depending on how much time you're doing and and all that kind of thing i feel like it's kind of a different set of skills for each thing yeah oh it's definitely got to be well like yeah 45 minute set you're doing like mostly like your own stuff like not as much crowd work i would think right well yeah well yes and no like i feel like sometimes depending on how it's going you almost Mm. may do a lot of crowd work but because you have more time yeah you there's just more opportunity to both do a lot of your own material and do some crowd work if Mm -hmm. you want you know so yeah it, it and it sort of depends again like on how the crowd is what direction um not what direction, but kind of like what they're feeling, you know? So like mm-hmm. like I was saying, like the, la- the last show I actually did in, I think this was the last one I headlined, was in Connecticut. It was some sort of like, um, I want to say like a school fundraiser or something like that at mm-hmm. a firehouse in Connecticut. And one of my good friends uh, who's really funny too, uh, Wilson McDermott was on the show. He was on my birthday rose too. I don't know if you okay. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's the, the psychologist. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember yeah, him. He's yeah. really funny. Um, he's great. So he featured and I headlined. Um, and uh, that that particular show... I did a lot of crowd work because they really got just kind of into it. And then, like I said, there was there was one woman who wouldn't shut up and, we're, you know, and, and mm-hmm. people are drinking and, you know, and then uh, actually the three stooges came up, too, because like, there was some <laughs> bald guy. And then, you know, and I was like, oh, he's curly. And then some girl in the audience was like, I like the three stooges, too. And I'm like, oh, my God, another girl who likes the three stooges, you know, and it became <laughs> yeah. this whole thing. Uh, so sometimes if the audience is particularly energetic or they actually have a lot to say, it's almost like when... You know, when you're in, when you're a teacher, maybe to a certain extent, you know, if the class is not particularly vocal, you have to kind of, you know, I don't know, like when I was a kid, that's what they would talk about. Like, I remember teachers talking about our class and being like, well, the one thing we'll say about them is they're very vocal and like they, they will answer questions and they participate, you know, or yeah. so it, it's kind of like that, you know, you, you have to, you want participation, but you still maintain a level of kind of control that you're kind of yeah. directing where this is going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long would you say that you find that typically it takes to uh, like hit the nail on the head when it comes to like cre- crafting a new bit? Because um, I'm sure there's like e- there's editing. There's yeah, different... sure. It again, it it honestly depends. Yeah. Like sometimes there's been jokes where they've just kind of, for the most part, with you know. Um, 
you know, sans like a little bit of fine tuning here and there kind of have worked from the jump kind of. Mm-hmm. But then there's a lot of others where, yeah, it, it really is a, a process to kind of um, get it to, to work how you want it to work and finding the right wording, finding the right rhythm and pacing. It's like all of these elements are yeah. essential to it. Um, and I do feel like the ones that don't work right away, but then you eventually get to work are more rewarding in the yeah. long run, you know? Um, like, I, there was one joke that I, that I worked on. <clears throat> this was when, this was like years ago, and I was still doing material about being a virgin. And uh, then before that, though, there was a joke I was working on about being platonically irresistible. That's the, 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 the <laughs> premise that I had. And it was one of those jokes where the premise always got a really big laugh, but then I could never figure out, like, how to top it and find the right wording and the right, you know. And I eventually got it to work, but I remember I really, like, <laughs> I mean, I was, like, coming up with all sorts of, and it's funny, too, because when you're working on a punchline or you're trying to work on something, to get it to work you end up coming up with these like convoluted complicated abstract things that yeah. are so ridiculous and then usually what you find that works is this like simple thing that just pops into your head one day you know yeah. but you have to kind of i guess sort through all the 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 shit you know in your head to <laughs> yeah. get it you know but yeah it's <laughs> so it great. so it depends honestly it you know it can take a long time it also depends on how like committed you are to it because sometimes mm-hmm. you try something and it doesn't work and you're like well whatever this was like not i wasn't particularly married to this anyway but then you know other times you feel like oh this is something i really want to get to work and i'm passionate about this and i yeah. think this is clever mm-hmm. or whatever you know so yeah i think that's a big part of it is how committed you are to it yeah. in particular and then and then sometimes yeah you have things that you just say that you know sometimes even things you say off the cuff that then work so then you yeah. try to incorporate them into the, the act that's why it's always good to like at least record audio of yourself you yeah. know so you oh can yeah that's interesting because you know just even changing one word or changing the rhythm of something or can <laughs> can change <laughs> oh, yeah, okay so someone's joining us i guess can change <laughs> um you know can change a lot uh, as far as how it works and everything like yeah. that so yeah one thing that you mentioned with the the crafting that I am always just astounded by when it comes to comedians is timing and rhythm. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like that would be the biggest like shortcoming of me. Because I feel like I would just be like, all right, here's the joke, blah, and just give it all out, no like timing, no stops. Like it's just I'm in awe whenever I see like a comedian just up there, and it's like th- their timing is just spot on. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean it. It is something I think you do develop, obviously, a little better over time, and especially as far as um, definitely with, like, crowd work and and that kind of thing and learning how to kind of ride the wave of a laugh and then going into the next joke and things like that. But I think for me, again, the slam poetry thing helped. And also, I mean, I uh, I played the drums in school, too. Oh, okay. So yeah. that helped. Mel Brooks was a drummer, too. He was? Oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that, yeah, actually. Oh, yeah, man. Um, so uh, a lot of... Uh, uh, yeah, actually, a lot of comics have musical backgrounds and things. But, um, but yeah, so the, I think that helped, too, the, the drumming thing and the slam poetry thing helped in just having a sense. It's funny because I think there's so many different types of rhythm. Like, I think when you say somebody, like, has rhythm, it's really hard to... I don't know if anybody has every rhythm, you mm-hmm. know, because I don't particularly feel like... I've never been a good dancer or anything like that, you know, but I, you know, I, I played the drums and I have good timing as far as... I feel like that kind of rhythm and, and, and timing as far as um, knowing... The, the rhythm of comedy, I guess, like when to when to say something and, and when to pause and, and that yeah. sort of stuff is something. And I think that's also something I've always, um, even as a kid, like from watching different sitcoms and things like that, like I've always appreciated rhythm, like good rhythm in comedy and good mm-hmm. timing and, and found it 
funny, you know, whether it's visually or verbally, I think it's it's so important, you know, to to have the, the rhythmic part of it. Like, I like uh, the sitcom Perfect Strangers a lot, you know, Balky and Cousin. You guys yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I love that as a kid. I actually been watching it on Hulu now because it's on Hulu. I didn't realize it was on. Yeah, it's exciting. <laughs> um, and they, ha- I mean, they're so silly, but they had a really good sense of, like, just the rhythm of, of things that they would do physically. And obviously mm-hmm. the Three Stooges have that too, yeah. you know. Um, and, and verbally too, it's, it's like it, it's, it becomes, especially when there's other people involved, it's like a dance almost, even though I said I can't dance, but you know. So yeah, I, I think, uh, I've, I, yeah, I think the, the music helped and the, the poetry and that stuff, I think helped a little bit with having a sense of the timing as far as telling jokes and things like that and being able to read like when to pause and when to say things like slower or faster um and but that's something also you you learn from trying the jokes too and i think it's funny with me maybe because of the drumming thing or because rhythm is so important to me sometimes when i try a joke like it's almost like the content could be great but if i don't feel natural saying it Mm. i have a hard time almost being like committed to the joke almost because it's like yeah if it doesn't feel natural rhythmically coming out or it doesn't just sound right you know yeah yeah, yeah absolutely definitely um do you have any other questions or? i i, I do all right Plenty. go for it Ooh, you guys are so Cause organized because i'm great yeah i'm out so you're out yeah oh, man you should i just more. gotta yeah <laughs> i just gotta like riff off of this stuff i don't know excellent well i guess that's that's your strength you can riff i can't riff yeah <laughs> so one topic that we we talk about a lot when it comes to comedy is uh, censorship okay. with comedy, and we've never actually had the opportunity to speak to a, an actual comic about it. We're kind of in the same boat, uh, Ethan and I, when it comes to our thoughts on it, mm-hmm. and we were curious what your thoughts are. For, for ours are essentially that really nothing should be off limits okay. when it comes yeah. to yeah, like nothing should be off limits. But if like, but obviously things are going to bother people, right. and therefore. Right. I feel like you should just, if it's going to bother you, you shouldn't watch it. Right. right? I think there's always con- context is, yes, is obviously yeah, important. Yeah. Um, but I feel like there, there's always a way that I feel like you can make a joke work. Right. Mm. So, yeah, my, I mean, my opinion basically is, yeah, mainly that nothing should be off limits and that censorship for the most part, I feel like is, you know, it's just not really, a, I don't think it's great. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think it's, I don't think it really in the long run helps anybody. Um, and again, like I was raised, you know, from an early, like, you know, my parents are big Beatles fans and I'm, you know, John Lennon fans. And so, you know, he did things, he said things, oh, yeah. you know, so yeah, I, yeah. I kind of from an early age was like, oh, like this is, you know, this is not a bad thing if you're kind of, it's almost about your intention too. And that's what you said about context. Yeah. context. Yeah. I think that you should be able to say anything, but like then you have to look at where the person is coming from. You know, I think, mm-hmm. I think that's important too. You know, like <laughs> yeah. take something like Blazing Saddles, for instance. Yeah. If, if someone is, I, th- I think that's what in a way we've lost a little bit of is I feel like people now, not everybody, but it seems that it became kind of a trend where people hear a certain word mm-hmm. or see a certain thing and they automatically think, okay, that's encouraging the yeah. bad behavior when right. really most of the time and, and if someone's doing it well it's actually mocking the behavior or mm-hmm. mocking you know the the racism or the sexism yeah. or, or that kind of yeah. thing so I, i've always felt that i like things that that are that are kind of um you know that are they're just real they're not trying to sugarcoat mm-hmm. anything you know like i'm a Absolutely. big fan of like all the norman lear comedies like all in the family yeah. oh my god yes. like 100%. That. yeah you know and i feel like it's yeah, if you don't talk about things, it's actually worse to a certain extent, you mm-hmm. know. Um, yeah. Now, granted, obviously, every then then you have each group, let's say, you know, has to a certain extent more of a right to say what they find 
offensive to their specific group versus sure. you know people who aren't in that group saying oh you shouldn't be offended by that you know mm-hmm. so i get that too but yeah. i i think it isn't like you said it's it's more of people are always going to be upset about something you know you, you can't yeah. you can't say something that's going to make everybody happy i just mm-hmm. feel like you can't no matter do what it. you do yeah i just feel like you can't do it you know no matter no matter what yeah. you say so I think, again, you know, you should be able to say whatever you want, but that doesn't free you then from the consequences of saying it. I think yes, that's, I was, yeah, I think I that's the main that, thing. Yeah. That, that's kind of how yeah. I feel about it. You know, that if you do say something, you have to then deal with the, the fallout or the potential fallout or, you yeah, know, that kind sure. of thing. And I mean, but I, I do, I, I feel, and then I, I also feel like now what, one thing I, I don't like that seems to be happening a little bit is almost like this attempt at like retroactively censoring things where it's like something that was, mm. you know, something that came out a while ago, mm-hmm. let's say, you know, even like, even they were talking about this with like Huck Finn, you know what oh, I mean? They wanted yeah, to take yeah, the yeah. N word out. Yeah. And it's like, look, but isn't that the point? Yeah. Is to, he's showing that like this happened and this yeah, was yeah. bad and this, you know, that like, this is what people said. Right. So it, my, my opinion is it almost then devalues their struggle to a certain extent yeah. to make it seem like well this was never said or this never happened right. or this you know to sweep everything under under the rug you know yeah. and, and yeah. so i'm i'm not that's something i'm really not a fan of it's like it's one thing where maybe nowadays we you know we know better or we're more culturally informed about certain things than yeah. they were back in the day so and then we proceed differently mm-hmm. but to when you look at something that's like a product of its time particularly i'm not saying like a product of its time like you know that people were like owning slaves and things like that. Yeah, I'm right. saying a product of its time, like a movie or a song mm-hmm. or a certain way of, of thinking about maybe like sexuality or gender, race or things like this, <laughs> you know, that it is a product of its time. And I think if you try to like change it, then that just kind of defeats the whole purpose of it being around, you yeah. know, like if you watch, yeah. you try to watch things from their time, it reflects how a lot of people felt at the time. And then mm-hmm. you can learn how people felt for good or bad. You totally. know, exactly. Well, it's like changing history. Yeah. You know, when you do that sort of thing. Warner yeah. actually did something. They do that with their old cartoons that because a lot of those old like WB cartoons have like a lot of racist yeah. kind of things. Yeah. In it. And they put like a like a warning in front. They said, we're going to show this in the original context. It was wrong. It's wrong now. It was wrong then. But for <laughs> us to edit that would be for uh, essentially us denying that it ever happened. Right. Yeah. yeah. So see, we want to show it in its historical context. Even like context. the old Mickey Mouse cartoons. Oh, I yeah. Show, I would show oh, they're, Yeah. I, I mean, they're not good. showed one to my nephew because it, <laughs> it was on like Netflix or something. I said, oh, Mickey Mouse. He likes Mickey Mouse. And I put it on. And like, there, I mean, it wasn't like that bad. But there were like people like Mickey was like smoking a cigar. And like, there's just like things. And I'm like, this is kind of bizarre like this wouldn't be on tv now yeah i mean that's what's yeah i mean and i've even heard it go as far as like then even with pictures they try to like edit things out like i know i've heard like i said i'm a big beetle fan i've heard like something along the lines of you know they they published like a picture like the abbey road cover and they and paul has a cigarette in his hand and they tried they like brushed it out or something like that or they've tried to do that with other things to me then it just gets we have to you can't get too extreme or crazy with anything i think that's the issue is you know mm-hmm. moderation yeah. you know with with a lot of stuff and uh and yeah i think you know it's almost like you're trying to take away an honesty too if you if with too much censorship because mm-hmm. in a way it's almost like well you know if this person made this and enough people find it offensive then all right like they'll almost hang themselves to a certain extent like why should we like why should we almost like be like well you know let's it's almost like protecting someone who maybe they do maybe they are racist or sexist and they're they're showing that Mm -hmm. in what they do yeah but if you take it away then you're taking away any discussion even about it you know and any i think that's the main thing with any of this stuff is the 
anything that opens up a dialogue and gets people talking, even if that gets them arguing and that kind of thing, it's still, I think, to a certain extent, can be, you know, as long as nobody gets, is like killing people or anything like that. Yeah, over, right. You can have um, a civil discussion. Right. Yeah. It gets, it is beneficial because if you just sweep things under the rug, like I said, I, I don't think that's, you know, I don't think that's particularly helpful, you know? Yeah. And that's why, mm-hmm. like I said, I, I like a lot of like the old sitcoms, like All in the Family yeah. and things like that, that, yeah. you know, that, I don't but know. They, they would never be on today. No. Like, you could never get away. Like, even Blazing Saddles, we were watching it, like it just, it feels like very dated because yeah. like you could never yeah. make that now. And yeah. I love that you brought up Blazing Saddles and, and yeah. Mel Brooks because I always use him uh, whenever it comes to like this kind of topic where if if you look at the producers, the the Jew, a big uh, group of the Jewish community were like really angry when he came out with that. They're mm. like, you you can't do this. Like you yeah. can't. Make, and he's like, no. The the whole point is that we're, we're we're trying to make this evil human being, this guy who did this atrocious thing. We're trying to bring him down to a exactly. ridiculous level. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And in a way that we can have like a, a dialogue about it. In a way that we can laugh because mm-hmm. it is it's a, an atrocity that he uh, committed. Same thing with. Uh, Blazing Saddles. They make out mm. these like incredible, like they flip the the script essentially. Where in, in the beginning of the movie, they they're like, "We want you guys to do um, uh, a a black people song." Uh, I don't feel like saying that word. Yeah. Uh, so he's like, "We want you to do a black people yeah. song." So sing, and so they start singing like I think Frank Sinatra yes, or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And they're like, "No, we talk. We're talking about like Camptown Ladies." And so then they're dancing around to show them what Camptown Ladies are, and they look like the com- complete jackasses. Yeah. So it's like flipping the script right, and showing exactly. like yeah. these people are saying that Group A are like horrible subhumans, and it's like, no, but that's how ridiculous you are. Exactly. And you can like. It shines a light on. Yeah, one some of, of the things that I remember things. too is, I mean, as far as like, because Mel, you know, he he can be criticized for being maybe too broad or too ridiculous or mm-hmm. too silly or maybe easy jokes here and there. But also, I think with him, he is in a lot of ways. There's a certain I don't know if subtlety is the right word, but stuff that I think people don't pay as much attention to or give him enough credit for. Like one of the things I remember a lot about Blazing Saddles is, you know, in the beginning with the quicksand and literally they want to save the tool instead of him. Like stuff like that is commentary on, yeah, like this is reality. I mean, we own, you know, people own slaves and people saw them as, as property and tools and things like, you know, so uh, yeah, I, I don't think that it's not, I think people should have to, in all areas, look at it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and like what you even said about the Holocaust, too. I mean, I, I didn't realize this until recently because I'll get bored and then I end up like researching things on, you know, or one Wikipedia article leads to another and you yeah. go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. You know, and like how, yeah, there are people like legit Holocaust deniers. I mean, I didn't know yeah. as much about, you know, I'm honest, like, you know, I'm not Jewish, so there's a lot of stuff that I don't know as much about, you know? And yeah, I mean, it's, I'm like, this is just insane, you know? And so <laughs> yeah. I feel like the more you try to, sugarcoat stuff and be like oh this wasn't that bad or oh this didn't happen or oh let's not show this because mm-hmm. it'll make people uncomfortable it's like you're supposed to be made uncomfortable by this because yeah. it is uncomfortable you know yeah. like so yeah i mean i that that's kind of how i feel about about censorship is that i get like you know and obviously like you said context is everything mm-hmm. and i yeah. get that like yeah i mean you don't i get why like ratings exist and like warning labels exist and that sure. kind of thing like obviously yeah you're not gonna have you know, like maybe your, you know, your five-year-old watch, you know, I don't know. Carlin. Like, yeah, or, you know, or that kind of thing. Or, or, you, or you know, also too, particularly with, with children, I feel like people, I don't know, like my parents, okay, again, like John Lennon, 
there's a there was a documentary that came out. I think it was like in 1988. It's still like considered. It's now that I watch it, I'm like a lot of this is like kind of not necessarily relevant that relevant anymore. But it's like it was considered. I think like the definitive documentary on John Lennon. Mm. And there's a lot, you know, of stuff in there where he curses a lot. They show the naked album cover. They whatever. Mm. And I remember my parents. You know, when I was really young, they bought it home. But they would like they knew when to like fast forward things, or they knew when to you know, not show me certain elements of it until I was older. So mm. I feel like parents should have some responsibility to kind of filter and know, because I feel like parents know their own children better than what a generic across the board, like rating is going to know. very true. You know what yes. your kid is ready for. Mm-hmm. You know what your kid is curious about. You know what your kid is comfortable with, you know, better than an outsider or you should, you know, yeah. so yeah. you... You know, so I, I feel like that's another element of it where, I don't know. It, yeah, you, I don't know. Sometimes I felt like my parents didn't know me exactly. <laughs> oh, okay. Where well, like, I'm not saying exactly. Well, like, but well, they would, it would be like, I saw, I think, um, Science of the Lambs at a friend's house when I was like maybe 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. And which is like, you know, it's not that young, but like still it's like at that age. It's like, right. I don't know if this is quite okay. Right. And and they were like furious. Like oh, they wow, were not okay. happy. And oh, I was like, man. why? I was like, it was a good movie. I liked it. Like, and I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't like that disturbed by it. I was like, I was actually like able to separate. I'm like, you oh, know, this is a movie. Like this is not, oh, well, I'm not going to have yeah. nightmares. That's like good. maybe if I was really young, I would have had nightmares yeah. right. about well, Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. But, and it's so funny too, yeah. because sometimes you're, you're scared of the things that people don't expect you to be scared of. Like I yeah. remember as a little kid, one of the things that... <laughs> I mean, so how, how, wait, you, we're basically like contemporaries, right? How old are you guys? Uh, 28. 28 and you're yeah, both, okay, I'm yeah. 30. Yes, yeah, so we're contemporary. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, but we, I feel like we grew up in, in, in a time period where they had the most horrifying anti-drug PSAs. Oh, yeah. And mm. those the, were the, the things that scared the hell out of me as a I kid. I remember one. You would just be watching TV and then, it, and I'd go, <gasps> and those were the things that would keep me up at night. Those yeah. were the things that would make me scared. Yeah. And my mom would be like, but it's a commercial, you know, it's not even, and I'd be like, yeah, but you know. And uh, yeah, it was like the era of just scary PSAs for things like <laughs> drugs, domestic violence, all this stuff. Well, so yeah. I've YouTubed, I, I've been, because I'm, I guess, a masochist or whatever, I've YouTubed some of them and found them and be like, this is still scary you know so what's yeah. the one you remember no i remember one from the the woman from she's all that do you remember this oh is it the one with the egg the, yeah she starts like smashing yeah, everything the egg. yeah, yeah that's, like, that's like an iconic one yeah yeah, yeah yeah and she like did an update to that recently oh, re- oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah i thought it was pretty good but I, I remember the ones with the with the dog the dog's talking because like because oh. the, the girl's stoned yeah. Oh, yeah i mean that one's kind of hilarious yeah right well there are some that are really ridiculous yeah, yeah. you know like the, i learned it from watching you yeah, like that yeah, one, yeah. you know but then there are some and sometimes i look at this and no, i remember like, some are brutal yeah i'm yeah. like how much money did they have mm-hmm. for this like this is more yeah. produced than like you know because there was one or the thing is too they were a lot of them were so abstract that it was almost yeah. like they scared you but not for the right reasons so you'd see it and be scared <laughs> yeah. but you wouldn't even know it was about drugs so right, it didn't yeah. really achieve a purpose like there was one i remember where a, a girl is um She's climbing up onto a diving board, and then she jumps in, and then at the end you see they show it's an empty pool that she dived into. Oh, oh dead. And you're, I think I remember yeah, this. Yeah, and you're literally, I remember watching as a kid, and it's terrified me, but I didn't know, you know, what it was even talking about. I, yeah. PSA, it, just don't, yeah. don't jump into pools. Yeah, don't jump into empty I pools. mean, you yeah. know, and then it would say something about drugs, but you'd be like, yeah, but I don't see the, like, I don't get yeah. the connection, you know, so <laughs> it, yeah, they were, so those scared me actually a lot yeah. as a kid, but those, again, you can't really, like, protect your, I mean, now I guess you can, like, now with um you can skip through commercials or mm. you know things like that or you were you know but back in the day everything was just live you know on tv you oh, know yeah like the, it was in your face yeah so I, but i remember yeah oh my god like those really scared me more so even <laughs> though more so than movies or things like that you know yeah. i was like oh my god these are you know and 
And then they, there was a couple, I remember like domestic violence ones too. And I mm-hmm. just remember being like, you know, and my, I remember my mom even being like, you know, again, like my parents were, were good in this way. Cause I remember my mom being like, yeah, but like, you know, this isn't happening like in our family or anything like that. So like, why does, I'm like, no, but it's just yeah. a scary, you know, it's yeah. like, it's not pleasant, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, they really were in your face. And then meanwhile, then after it became, you know, talk to your kids about drugs. They'll listen. Yeah. It's like, oh, all right, good for you. Now you, you know, so they would try to scare people. Yeah, it was crazy. Do you remember any of those? Yeah, though I remember there's I'm trying to remember the specific like event, but I do know that there were they like after they started doing like the crazy stuff, they started just showing like this is what lungs look like. Oh, and like yeah, they started showing yeah, body yeah. parts oh, and no, like yeah. cigarettes. People now. with like yeah. the what is it, tracheotomies yeah, and, and yeah, like yeah, yeah. missing teeth and like yeah. I was just like, Oh god, no. Yeah. No. yeah they've been was... doing that more like I guess maybe in like the last ten years or so yeah. they've been doing a lot of those commercials yeah. with like the cigarettes. Yes, they mm-hmm. have, yeah. Or like there was one where like there's a kid crying lost in a store or something. It's horrifying. Mm. And I don't know if it's about cigarettes or drugs, but it's, again, it's like, I don't even know what the subject right, is, but I just know this child is lost and crying. And I'm just like, oh my God, yeah. someone take this, like someone yeah. find this kid. Like, <laughs> and that's what's funny too, because now I don't want to sound like hypocritical, but we were like talking about censorship and how anything should be allowed and it should make you uncomfortable. So yeah, yeah I mean, obviously ads like that have a place and, and are powerful, yeah. but I think, so in a way it's almost, they obviously at least... I mean, they might not have, we didn't really understand them as kids, but they definitely affected us, obviously. Um, You know, so, I mean, I get that. I just think in that particular way, it is hard to maybe, because I feel like there was no rhyme or reason to like when those ads came on. It was Mm kind of like, you know, you'd be watching whatever and they'd come on versus maybe put them, maybe air them at a certain time. So less kids are maybe apt to be watching, you know, but yeah, like, so that, yeah, you know, I don't know. It was crazy. Those, those really scared me. Yeah, I haven't thought about those in like a really long yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, well, you brought up, you know, like yeah. things that like scared you as a kid or things you shouldn't watch. And I was like, oh, those scared me so much. Oh, my God. So why don't we bring it right back to you when you're up on stage? And I have a, a, a question about a specific joke. Okay. And I love it. It's it's one of the funniest things. It's when, the joke that you have about jetpacking. Yeah. And I just think that's like <laughs> a hilarious visual. I just like, I don't know. Every time I think about it, it just makes me smile. And so you have that joke about like, and it's kind of like how you're saying you're kind of this like, I'm trying to remember the word you used. You're like a a recovering tomboy. Yes, yes. So I was curious with that, like, do you have any moments where your tomboy-ness really shows and you're like, oh no, I really was trying to like keep it on the inside right now. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, it, it comes out at certain times. I mean, the thing is, I say recovering yeah. just because I think it's a funny, like, play on, like, being a recovering addict or yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I don't necessarily think of it as, per se, a negative thing. But yeah. I, I think now it's just been a matter of, as I've, you know, grown into, you know, adulthood and, and become, you know, more of a almost like a well-rounded, I guess, person in that regard. I've really, you know, you can, you can obviously have elements of you could be as feminine as you want to be and then also have tomboy elements mm-hmm. and it's okay. You know, yeah. I mean, And I think when we're younger, everything has to be a certain way or you look at it or I, you know, I did almost in a certain way. And I still, I think I'm guilty of this. And then you, you categorize people as like, well, they're this, so they're not going to like this or they're not going to understand this or, you know. And I don't know, my interests and things have always been kind of all over the place and kind of eclectic. So, yeah, I mean, I 
you know, I, I think it comes out when I get excited about things like, I mean, you know, we were talking about like watching things on, on Netflix or Hulu. I mean, yeah. you know, the Power Rangers the other day, I was like, oh, the Power Rangers are on this. I got to oh watch the God, Power Rangers, yes. you know, and the original, I, I didn't get into like the later ones, but oh, the, no. the original one. Yeah. And, you know, oh, totally. Rita Repulsa and all yeah, this stuff. Yeah. And on the Megazord, <laughs> and I remember I had the Megazord in first grade and we put it together, you know, and I was like, oh, oh man, yeah, this, I is, that. this yeah. is great, you know, so stuff like that I still enjoy, you yeah. know, so I, yeah, like I can be girly and, and cry at some movie or whatever and then I'm going to watch the Power Rangers and be like, yeah, let's go or, you know, or <laughs> classic wrestling as a big Undertaker fan, you know, so, yes. so that kind of stuff. So I think it still comes out but I've learned to just embrace all of it, you know yeah. what I mean? Because Yeah, why not? Yeah, because it's like, I've, I've realized that it you can, yeah, you can like whatever the hell you want to yeah. like, you know, but, but yeah, I do, I it's very eclectic you That's know because great. i i have things i i like that are very kind of you know like i can <laughs> you know like i you know got all this like boy band stuff on my iphone you know or my music selection yeah. i'm listening to the backstreet boys and i'm listening to like ballads and things like that and then i'm like yeah let's watch some wrestling you know so yeah so it's yeah, i like the backstreet boys yeah <laughs> you know so it's it's all over the place what um, uh i don't know if you, you paid attention at this point in time but did you what did you think about the, them breaking Undertaker's streak. Oh, the streak. Yeah, with Brock Lesnar. Oh, my God. Brock Lesnar. Yeah, I know. He's, I don't, Brock Lesnar, yeah. I'm not a fan of Me him neither. He's so, like, just creepy. I never liked him. He's just, ugh, like, he just looks like, I don't know. <laughs> I was just very disappointed like that monster. they broke it. Yeah. Um, they broke it with him. Like. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I guess eventually they would have to break yeah. it, but it almost seemed weird because, yeah, I, I don't know necessarily that, I, that it should have been him. I feel yeah. like it maybe should have been. But then again, I look at it as, well, he you know, because it's all kind of discussed and scripted and all mm-hmm. that, was obviously okay with them breaking yeah. the streak. So then, okay, you know, I, I get it. But, yeah, I mean, it was kind of shocking, you know? I remember, yeah. Yeah, I, I just yeah. remember. I mean, I think this is from, like, three years ago now. So. It is, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. it was it was a couple of years ago. Yeah. But still, you know, it was shocked. That, that meme of the guy's face where he's like, yeah. you know. I mean, everybody <laughs> was just shocked, you know, because even though it is scripted and all this you get into it you know and you yeah. get into the storylines and 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 things like that and and it really is i mean i remember i'd watch it a lot as a kid yeah me um, too. when i would and i would hear people say oh it's like a soap opera for men you know mm-hmm. then i actually when i was like 14 got into soap operas too and i was like oh my god like this is a soap opera it's the same oh, exact totally. thing yeah. they just fight you know but yeah. like it's <laughs> so the the stories are so you know and and that's like because i've seen a little bit here and there now and i don't feel like it's as good as it as it was particularly during like the attitude era and that kind of stuff i feel like it was really at its i mean a little before the attitude era and definitely the attitude era i don't know i they they just it was a lot going on i feel like there was a lot of good drama and i don't know all sorts of crazy stories and things and i don't know and even the other thing too as a comic i think i always appreciated the the people who were good at humor in wrestling too, you yeah, know, yeah. the people who had good timing, the people who had, you know, like it's yeah, so, yeah, because there was so much funny, you know, in it too. That's a wonderful segue. No, Perfect. absolutely. Yeah. So do you have anything coming up? Like any projects that you want to Yeah, we definitely want to do slugs. Yeah. <laughs> anything you want to plug? Um, yeah. So I have, obviously, like I said, the, the monthly show, My First Time at QED in Astoria. It's uh, the third Wednesday of every month at 9 p.m., and uh, so that's the next one is February 21st. So definitely uh, check that out. We'd love to have you at, at that show as, as they can vouch for. It's, it's good times. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and uh, let's see, I'm at, I mean, I'm not sure when this is going to be aired or, or yeah, come when, out. When, when will we air this? In that's a couple a weeks. It, it'll be before the, the 21st, definitely. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, probably second week in February, I would Oh, have. okay, nice. Right? Yeah. That's, that's where our schedule, because we had one. On the 1st, I think. Oh, really? February 1st. Oh, okay. Never mind. Oh, so sweet. early February. So okay. yeah. So I, let's see. I have some road gigs coming up on uh, Long Island um, in February. Uh, in March, I actually have 
a gig in Delaware and Maryland. I'm going to be on the road, um, okay. which I've never actually... Oh, awesome. <laughs> I do jokes about... I do a joke about that uh, Delaware and the guy I lost my virginity to is from Delaware. So I've okay. never actually... But I've never actually been to Delaware, so I'm excited That'll to go. That'll be a fun experience. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, you know, get get my uh, sort of colonialism on, I feel like. <laughs> um, and uh, so that's coming up in, in March. Um, yeah, and I mean, I'm at Broadway Comedy Club a lot um, in, okay. in the city. I'm, yeah. there, I'm there tonight. I'm hosting there. Um, and, uh, as far as, I don't know, projects, it's like, I, yeah, I, I want to actually do more with the, um, the whole my first time concept. So I was actually thinking about it's, uh, that's kind of been in the works to possibly turning that into some sort of podcast idea. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's something that that's in the works and, uh, and yeah. And as I mentioned too, starting to try to craft like a, put together some sort of one person, um, show I've started to kind of outline that a little bit too so that's kind of cool. in the works and, and yeah i mean i'm just you know uh doing kind of stand up all over the place you know and and uh you know you can i give like social networking stuff absolutely okay. yeah anything Please. Yeah, Every, so, anything you want to cool post um yeah so you can follow me on twitter at angela cobb c-o-b-b um on facebook at angela cobb comedy and on instagram at angela cobb comedy okay excellent awesome yeah. Thank you so much for yeah, being on. Yeah, thank you so much. Oh. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Before we go, I yeah. wanted, remember I wanted to plug one thing. Oh, yes. That was... Plug it. <laughs> it's actually, it's it's another podcast. They don't know us at all. It's just a podcast I'm a fan of. And oh, they, nice. And they said, like, we need more people listening. So the podcast is, it is the Keeping Joe podcast. It's with uh, comedians Sam Morell and Joe Mackey. Oh, yeah. And Phil Hanley. Oh, cool. So their podcast is really good. Check it out. It's called Keeping Joe. And, uh... That's a plug for someone else. Yeah. They don't know us at all. They probably don't listen. You're so nice. <laughs> oh, I like you. their podcast. And, Excellent. Uh, yeah. And thanks again. And uh, we'll catch you next time, guys. Thanks a lot for listening. Peace.